everybody, welcome to episode 66 of the Masterclass. I'm Cam, he's Dave. Let's do the show. Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Me yeah, too. it's it's funny, because whenever we come into our podcast time, I will say that frequently, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> so many jokes. The, <laughs> the uh, I don't know, just parts, just, you know, life. And then we get here and we start talking and it's, it's always good to be here. And so I look forward to this time and sharing what Jesus said with our listeners. So it's a good thing. We're not talking about a specific passage of the Bible. This episode is it. (laughs) No, we, uh, a couple weeks ago, we mentioned that we might want to dive into some topical episodes about the church, church discipline, church polity, what the church is, what the church does, that sort of stuff, and um, really kind of go into that. And thus far, we have not um, done so. And today, we are going to do, hopefully, what is one of of quite a few um, church-focused episodes, Um, except we're not going to do any of those things I listed earlier about the church. We're going to talk about something a little different, and that is church and state, which no one disagrees upon. So this is going to be a really straightforward, simple episode that's not going to, you know, make anyone upset. Right, Dave? Uh, that is not the intent. So. <laughs> but people will probably disagree. Yeah, I, and I, I think that's one of the things that uh, we need to be able to do. We need to be able to disagree in dialogue. Um, about uh, the church, uh, the role of the church in our world today, and I, I, I will just say this: my experience is, is, is when you disagree and you start name calling or. Uh, Drawing a line in the sand, um, I, I guess my request of you, Cam, of me, of our listeners, is that people would really challenge what it is they believe, think about what they believe, and kind of go, how did I arrive at this point as to why I believe this? And be open to the fact that. Our God is a big God. He can handle our questions. And if we, in humility, come before him with these discussions and ask him to reveal himself to us, he'll show up and he'll do that. And ultimately, it's not about what I think, what you think, but it's about glorifying God. And ultimately, I think when we are having these discussions, uh, we need to go back to his word and what he said. So that's, I don't know, my... Intro? Intro thoughts. I agree. Also, uh, I found it very helpful in these types of discussions is don't be afraid to be wrong. And if you are wrong, that's okay. I've been wrong many times in my life. And admitting it and learning from other people is a healthy, normal thing to do. Mm -hmm. And guess what? At the end of this episode, I might be wrong. (laughs) And I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I'll fight you for a little bit, but then when it dawns on me that, oh yeah, I'm the one being um, hard-headed or unwilling to see someone else's point of view, when I realize that, it's just it's just better to admit it and move on, right? Because we're all in this together. So, church and state... Where should we even begin? <laughs> well, what what does that mean? Ah, see, Let's that's where with... we should begin. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, this is what I think of when I think of church and state is uh, religion and politics. And so, obviously, we're going to approach the church and state thing from a Christian Christian perspective. Hence, why it's church and state, and not mosque and state, or synagogue and state, or atheism and state. Uh, and so, 
I think the reason it got that term was because for a very, very long time, Christianity was the primary faith of Americans. If they had a faith, it was most likely going to be Christianity. Uh, and this was obviously, you know, back in the day when the country got started. And so the concept of church and state is that, that faith and politics are two separate things. And so when we talk about church and state, we're talking about the relationship between the two. How does, how does um, faith and politics interact? How do they work together? How do they work against each other? How do they support each other? All of that sort of stuff. So what is the relationship between the government, the president, Congress, um, senators, representatives, mayors, uh, state governors, city councils, that entire judges, the whole judicial system, how does that uh, organization relate to the organization of, in our case, the American church and the people that comprise it? So this gets down to legislation, this gets down to voting, this gets down to all of the ways in which our lives uh, bounce between our religious beliefs and responsibilities and our civic responsibilities. Was that an okay description? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. Yes. Pat myself <laughs> on the back. Um, all right. So hopefully with a somewhat decent or basic description of church and state down, um, let's just start off with a big one. Should they be separate? Should Should the church do what the church is supposed to do and let the government do what the government is supposed to do and vice versa. Should the government do what it's supposed to do and leave the church to do what it should do? Or should they be in some way, shape or form combined into one giant organism? Or are there other options that I'm not thinking of? Uh, the first thing I think of is uh, the Old Testament. And I think about uh, the Hebrew nation and the fact that basically they had judges that governed them, and God was sort of their... Um, God was ultimately their king, their ruler. And then they started clamoring for a king. Uh, and God ultimately said, okay, I'll give you a king. And in that, um, we see some examples of good kings and bad kings. And when I say good kings and bad kings, I'm coming from the perspective of uh, religious men who did the job well and not so religious men who didn't do the job well. And so to me, that's kind of the first problem, the first sort of uh, tension that exists with this of if you got King David in the Old Testament as your king, heck yeah, let's go. Let's let's have a a Christian nation, uh, you know that sort of thing. But the reality is, is uh, uh, it doesn't take long for that to break down. Two generations, in fact. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I was. I was trying to think of doing that in my head. It was then, him, then Solomon, and then for a while. Then there was a few was, good bumps, and then there was a few bad bumps, and then. They got invaded twice. Well, in two phases, really. Yeah. And so then you start, you know, in the Middle Ages, and I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but I'm just, I'm kind of thinking of times when church and state were more interwoven than they are right now. And, and, and you start having, um, you know, sort of this idea of the leader of the church, the pope, the vicar being the rightful ruler type of thing. And it just, ultimately, in my opinion, if you have a good, if you have a man with a heart after it, uh, who's, gosh, I can't say it, man. After God's, God's own, own heart. heart. Thank you. 
then things are going to go well. And if you got somebody that's just sort of playing the game, pretending or abuses his power because it's like, well, I'm anointed by God and that's why I get to do what I get to do, then it breaks down pretty quickly. So I don't think that is ultimately what is going to happen here on earth. And so that's sort of my second piece is, is this concept of that will happen when Jesus comes back the second time. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth, and he sits on the throne and he's in charge. And ideally what I think all of us long for is going to happen. But in this present day, in the current world that we live in, long way to get to this, I think they should be separate. Yeah, and... and I agree that they should be separate. Um, you know, my, my initial thoughts are if it, if it couldn't work in a theocratic society where God really was in charge of God's people and it couldn't work there. Yeah. Good point. So it did exist where God was in charge of his people mm -hmm. and it didn't because people are dumb and I am people. So I am dumb. Yeah. Um, but if it didn't work then, there's not a snowball's chance that it's going to work now in America. Mm -hmm. Like, just not, it's just not going to happen. And I'm okay with that because, as you said, it's not supposed to happen here and now. It will happen when Jesus comes back and all the pieces of the puzzle finally come together. And it will be done the way it's supposed to be done. And so I think that puts us in an interesting situation. Because as Christians, we long for that day, and as Christians, we have a strong, you know, moral uh, being that cares and loves for us to, to look to and to follow. And we also want to have infrastructure and roads and police forces and fire departments and armies to protect us from people that would try and kill us. And we want to have our voices heard by those people. And so you have this this man-made construction of government that I think genuinely wants or was genuinely built in an attempt to provide structure and guidance to people, right? But you also have the church that is the representation of Christ on the planet that is also seeking to give guidance and structure to people, but in very different ways, right? The church, the church is not responsible for policing the population. The church is not responsible for providing infrastructure such as roads and highways and schools and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you get those interesting places of overlap, like hospitals, like schools, where the church and the state are trying to do the same thing, but are approaching it from different angles. And I think one of the places that the church and state especially gets really muddy is when it comes time to vote. Because oftentimes, nowadays, the candidates that we are presented with are not um, well they don't necessarily follow the same moral guidelines that we try to follow as Christians um, you know you just look at, at the. I mean we'll just say Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are the two main candidates there is a third party candidate I think his name is Gary Johnson I've not heard a thing about him all I know is he's on the ballot um so good for him. Congratulations. But if you look at, at Hillary and Donald's track record, it's pretty safe to say that they're not taking the Bible seriously. I mean, they don't have to. That's their choice, right? We're all given the choice to, to follow God or not to follow God and not to cast any unnecessary judgment on them. You just kind of look at, it, at what they've done and how they act, and it's clear that that's not their priority. And so if we're truly going to try and separate church from state, there is that really awkward 
There's no way to truly separate them is what I'm saying. At some point, as a member of the church, I have to interact with the state. I have to pay my taxes. I have to go to the DMV. I have to vote. So I guess my my whole separation of the church and the state really boils down to we can keep them separate and let them do what they're good at doing and what their what their purpose is to do, which I don't even think we really do a good job of that anyways, and maybe we can get into that, of what the specific roles should be. But that, that awkward intersection of the individual person where there's no way to separate completely church and state, that's the tricky point. When we have to go vote, when we have, you know, whether it's for president or whether it's for local legislation, there's always that point where the church and the state are going to meet. And that's potentially very tricky when you're presented with two or three not great options. Um, I, I just like blacked out. I don't even know where the last few minutes went. <laughs> well, and I think too, the other thing is, is you're, you're going to have laws that govern what people can cannot do and so they're going to be you know you, you go with the 10 commandments and there's going to be things like murder all right everybody can get on board with that that should be a law you shouldn't be allowed to do that stealing all right we're gonna you know we can we can back that as well um because ultimately th- there's a reason why things are right and why they're wrong uh, everybody has to come up to with their sort of, this is why I believe something is good and something is, is bad. Um, but once you start getting away from the, oh, the givens when it comes to legislation, then it, then it gets a little bit difficult to say, um, you know, we can't create a law that says you will have no other gods before me. Why not? Well, we could. But in America, it's government for the people, by the people. Which is a bit of a farce by <laughs> today's standards. But I know what the Founding Fathers originally had intended, and I would agree with that. And ultimately, it's, you know, if enough people decided that that's what we wanted, then it would be a law. But again, that's more difficult for people to kind of, I think, grasp and embrace is this idea of we're going to create a law um, that you have to, you know, it just, it, 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 it ultimately, it breaks down uh, because people are going to believe what they're going to believe. And it's a condition of a heart. And it's not something that you can tell somebody, well, you have to believe in God and you have to honor him because we, as we know from human experience, people don't do that. And if you create a law telling them they have to do it, well, even if that law exists, we know that they're still, you know, they're going to choose what it is they're going to choose. So, Yeah, just because murder is illegal doesn't stop people from killing each other. Right. As we unfortunately see all too often. Yes. Um, all right. So let's, let's maybe back up a bit and, and not necessarily focus specifically on Christianity here, but um from a faith from faith in general should should any should a tenet of any faith be explicitly legislated for example uh should adultery be illegal because the bible says it's not a good thing to do or should i don't know eating pork be illegal because jews the the old testament says that pork is unclean and you shouldn't eat it so i mean and I realize the pork one and the adultery one are on very different, like, you know, mm-hmm. levels of, of morality. Um, but the concept is the same. My faith says this. I would like to see that legislated. So how do we, how do we draw the line between um, when, we're, when we're trying to enact laws? Like you said, the do not murder, fine. Do not steal. Okay, fine. Do not have adultery. Whoa, man, don't tell me what I can't do. So, because until fairly recently, that was still on the books in Kansas. 
Really? Adultery was still illegal. So that was a state-by-state one, right? Because it's not a state-by-state, and it was... I mean, we're talking 21st century that it was finally taken off the books. Because I actually wanted to charge somebody with it once. (laughs) I was told I couldn't. (laughs) But it it was like, it was one of those moments where I was like, no, this really, this guy's like, deserves this to be charged with this. (laughs) So, and then uh, my supervisor wisely said to me, you know how many of your feather, fellow officers we'd have to charge if you decide to charge this guy? <laughs> so that was like sort of a, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get where you're coming from. So, yeah, it, I, I, I think um, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to draw a, a, what the, what they call in legal terms a bright line. This is what, you know, this is where you draw the line. This is what uh, the standard is because like I said, there are certain things that we all say, yeah, absolutely. That needs to be a law. But then as you move down the line from theft and murder, it gets, it gets harder to say this is right. And this is wrong. I think it gets harder to agree on what's right and wrong. Like, the fact that not paying your taxes is illegal, but sleeping with your neighbor's wife isn't. Like, that to me is obviously paying your paying your taxes, Dave. <laughs> paying your taxes is an important thing to do, right? That whole infrastructure thing. Right. We, well, we, we need and want that. And that's, Jesus even tells us to do that, Matthew... What is it, 22? Yeah, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And I was even, I was going to quote that one. Matthew 22, 15 through 22. So. Even, see, even Jesus believes in church and state, Dave. I'm yeah, because he seriously, he does. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And he doesn't seem too worried about that. He doesn't seem to. Nope. Doesn't seem to have an issue with it. So, and that's, you know, for me personally, that's one of the things I look at. Jesus never once said we need to rise up arms and rebel against the authorities. Here and we go. He never once he never once said nope. he never once said. No, in fact, he ran from that. They tried to I mean the triumphal entry all like they tried to make him their political figurehead of the rebellion against the Roman Empire and he wanted Absolutely nothing to do with it. And every chance he had, he diverted from the political power that they so would have willingly laid their lives down for. Mm-hmm. So, so on one level, he potentially could have, have taken rule. On another level, he never so much as says get involved with politics. He never says Christians should do this. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that Jesus didn't say that we should do that we should do. So I'm not saying it's not. Uh, just because Jesus said we shouldn't do it doesn't mean we can't do it, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. Just because Jesus didn't talk about it. You right. Mean. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. If he says we shouldn't do something, we probably shouldn't Thank do you. it. Thank you. Yes. But yeah, no, if, just because he did not broach the topic does not mean that were forbidden from, from right. like Jesus never said, be a doctor or be a teacher. You right. can be a doctor or be a teacher. Those are very helpful things to go do with your life. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, throughout, throughout scripture, well, the two people that stand out to me again, as I think about this come from the old Testament, it's Daniel and Joseph. I mean, here are two guys that were very much a part of a non-godly government. And both of them rose through the ranks in a non-godly government to have influence in that government. And never once said, I can't be a part of this. 
because you don't agree or do things exactly the way I think you should do them. They were obedient to God and did what they believed they were supposed to do for God. So Daniel didn't bow down uh, to King Nebuchadnezzar. He continued to pray to his God, did it in, in an open window where people could hear, and God rewarded him for it. He didn't try to overthrow the government. He didn't try to, it was just, he did what was right and was an example for people and didn't get hung up on, well, this is, you guys have laws that are, I can't agree with. I can't, he just did his thing. Well, and in Daniel's case, he, he did refuse. Well, to you're eat. correct. The veg, he ate nothing but vegetables. Yeah. And he did pray. So, he stood up in those two ways, but to your point, he still functioned very much within. Yeah, he did what he he did what you know was right in God's eyes, and and they were both rewarded, but they were also both punished. They were rewarded by God, but punished by the government for it. Right. Daniel was put into the lion's den, and Joseph was thrown into jail for this. You know, horny housewife couldn't keep her hands off of him, and he did the right thing by not even going there and yeah. running away naked. To not get in trouble, you know, or to not to not do the wrong thing, and he, he was punished for that, and then Daniel was punished for being put in the lion's den, and in both situations, neither of those people rebelled, you know, against the government by saying, "Oh, you're infringing upon my rights." Like they just took it because they trusted God, right? They did the right thing, and they trusted that God would do the right thing in return. And guess what? Even if God hadn't have saved yes. Daniel yes. or Joseph, they still would have died doing the right thing. And nowhere was there a, Oh, my rights, my rights. You can't do this to me. Well, yeah, we can. You disobeyed the government and here's your punishment. It just so happens that God intervened in a miraculous way to save them. And through that miracle, they were both elevated. Mm-hmm. From the government, because the governmental leaders realized, wait a minute, there's something going on here. Yes. And one of the things that Dave and I have talked about previously, most likely off air, definitely off air, I don't know if it's ever been on air or not, is is this the concept of rights in America and what our rights are and what you can and can't do because of what rights I have as an individual. And one of the things that I think I want to make abundantly clear is that the rights that we have as people are given to us by the Constitution and not by the Bible. And I think this is another place where church and state are very separate. My right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is not from the Bible. That is from the Constitution. My right to bear arms is not from the Bible. It's from the Constitution. My right to vote is not from the Bible. It's from the Constitution. Freedom of speech. Exactly. Freedom of movement. Anything in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights that tells me I have this un or this uh, is it unalienable? Is that the word? Inalienable. Oh. That, <laughs> that is from the Constitution. Yes. That is not from Scripture. And I think that very often we treat the Constitution, some of us, as gospel. And it is not. It is very important. It's what this country was founded upon and has allowed this country to provide a level of freedom and safety not really seen before outside of perhaps England. But guess what? Our country was founded on people that left England because they were being oppressed. (laughs) <laughs> so for that the the constitution is a very good thing but the constitution also allowed us to steal an entire continent from its native people and put them in camps because god wanted us to go coast to coast and to own other human beings as property yep that was in there too for many many years so we need to talk about rights I feel like that's a significant church and state issue about why our rights are so important to us as Americans 
and why the Bible doesn't really give a crap about them. Mm. If I can be that blunt. I may be wrong. I don't think I am, but I'm willing to listen to to counter arguments on that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, you're going to have a hard time convincing me. And, and, and I'll say me. You're going to have a hard time convincing me that there's anything in the Bible that talks about our personal rights being elevated to the point that they've been elevated to in this country. Um, as as we're discussing this, the the next Bible verse that's coming to my mind is Philippians two. I believe it's Philippians two. <laughs> is it Philippians four? Philippians two. Um, you know, if we take a look at Christ's example, um, and it, it, I'll just leave you. You folks can read Philippians two because the entire. The entire verse, entire chapter of Philippians 2, uh, talks about intimidate in imitating Christ's humility. Um, but 2, 6, 7, and 8, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being a found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And man, the reason that our constitution exists and the reason that we have the freedoms that we have is because of people who did look at the Bible and sort of say, um, not sort of say, but this this concept of freedom being important really is a biblical principle. Uh, human rights um, always improve anywhere Christianity goes in the world. So if you've, you've got a country that has not traditionally been Christian, missionaries go there, the movement of the Holy Spirit goes there, human rights naturally improve. It's, it's, this, it's a truth that's sort of inseparable about who God is and how he operates. But it is not something that we can demand ourselves. It is very much our responsibility to humble ourselves and allow him to do that work uh, versus us demanding uh, that it happen. Yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe re... I'm going to tell you what I think about what you just said and then tell me if we're on the same page or not. And yes, I appreciate that because you always do a good job of helping me articulate what's that I'm rambling about. Where Christianity goes, the value of human life increases. Yes. And the importance of human life increases. Um, what uh, our respect for one another, because when we, when we hear the gospel and we come to believe that it's true, we realize that man is made in the image of God. And because of that, there is a certain level yes. of respect yes. and value that we have inherent in us reflecting the Father. And so it's natural from that realization to start treating each other differently. That does not give us rights to property, to guns, to people, to whatever else the government wants to say, but it does bring to light the inherent value we have as human beings, which is why in most places murder is against the law because even, even folks that don't know Jesus don't want to get killed. So if we just try to take that off the board as much as possible, that's a self-preservation <laughs> thing. But from the Christian yeah. perspective, it's much more than self-preservation. It's realizing the fact that God has his imprint upon us and that gives us inherent value. That doesn't give us the right to a happy life. It doesn't give us the right to a rich life. It doesn't give us the right to health. It doesn't give us the right to justice. All those things are not inherent rights in life. The only thing that's inherently true about creation is that God has, is, and will always be. Everything else is up to him. And where this gets... Where this gets tricky, I think, for me especially, 
is like when we're talking about um, self-defense. You know, I had a I had an ongoing conversation with a bunch of friends on on Facebook recently about the Second Amendment because I'm just sick of people shooting people. I'm just really tired of it. Like I I don't want to open Twitter every day and see guess what more people got shot or blown up. Like I just don't. I just, I'm just sick of it. It's it's stupid. And um, one of the things that was brought up was our right to self defense. And I replied with, "Well, Jesus never really." gave us that right like that's not a right that we have and a lot of the responses were well yeah he gave us that right when he gave me my life and gave me my family to protect and and like yeah he did give you your life and he did give you your family but it is not your right to defend them it's a choice to do that and it might not it it probably isn't a bad choice to do that but it is not your inalienable right where no one can take away your ability to defend yourself sure they can and it's not against scripture for god to put you in a situation where self-defense is not an option self-defense was certainly an option when christ went to the cross he chose not to take it and i'm sure self-defense was certainly an option when the disciples all got martyred they didn't take it but i tell you when self-defense isn't an option is when ISIS is beheading all the Christians. They're, they've got no shot. No shot at self-defense. <laughs> and their rights were not infringed upon because self-defense is not a God-given right. It's an option in some situations that you can or can't, you can choose to take or you can't, or you choose not to take. But that's not a, it's not an inherent right from the Bible. Now, in our Constitution, we have the right to bear arms and to defend ourselves against a tyrannical government. Fine. But that's from the Constitution, not from the Bible. And I think a lot of times those get really, really, really tangled. Yes. I'm doing lots of hand motions this episode. <laughs> Trying to keep the energy in my body, and I don't want to get really loud because I don't want to sound like I'm yelling at anyone because I'm not. You're just passionate about well, I just, I never was into politics when I was younger. I thought this is just such a racket. But now that I'm, you know, a little bit older and I have a little bit more experience under my belt and I still have a ton to learn and a ton to experience, it's just these last two elections have really started to make me think really hard about what it is that I believe from a faith perspective and what it is I believe about from a governmental perspective and how in the world do I spin both of those dishes at the same time without making them the same dish. Cause that's a whole lot easier to keep one disc spinning than two. Right. Right. So I, as much as I really, really, really dislike and think that it's a very unwise decision to make your politics and your religion the same thing it's a lot easier to do that i just think that's it's a very dangerous way to go about it because when one is threatened then the other is threatened and you just go into full-on defense mode because in quotes everything you believe is under attack Mm -hmm. and people don't really think or act clearly when they feel like they're under attack. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I think of Jesus before Pontius Pilate and paraphrasing here, the Dave version is, you know, Pontius Pilate saying to Jesus, your life is my hands. And Jesus saying to Pontius Pilate, you've got nothing in your hands. It's, any control that you've got over me, it's because God has allowed that to happen. And I just think, I just don't think Christians in America in the 21st century can operate from that standpoint. Granted, we're not Jesus. This is true. So a little bit of grace there on that aspect. But ultimately, it's just that ability just to stand before an accuser uh, and just to say, you have no authority about what God has given you. And that is echoed 
um, by Paul in Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So, <laughs> so there's that. There's that. And again, uh, you know, somebody that we've talked about time and time again is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who uh, lived in Germany in the 30s um, and, and 40s um, when Hitler came to power and was um, in power and ultimately the power, I guess, for a while there. Uh, but Bonhoeffer decided that he was going to be a part of a plot to kill um, Hitler. And when it was all said and done, Bonhoeffer was hanged for his crimes because the Germans were still in control, uh, you know. By the Nazis? By the Nazis for literally days before they were it was liberated. But Bonhoeffer understood that. He was willing uh, to give his life uh, for what he believed. And I think that's even sort of that second piece of what I see with Christians in America today is I want my rights, but I don't want to be inconvenienced. Um, America, one giant convenience store. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it was, I follow quite a variety of people on Twitter. I don't just follow people that say things that I want to hear. I, I follow people that challenge me in what I think. And um, there's a gentleman, BJ Thompson, BJ Thomas, I can't remember. Not the singer from the 70s. Uh, you'll have to put that in the show notes because I don't think Cam even knows who BJ I, Thomas is. I have no idea. Um, um, he's saying the original... Um, gosh, I'm going totally down a tangent here. Sing it, Dave. Well, I was going to before... Never mind. <laughs> I, never mind. It'll just, go, it'll just go in the show notes. It'll just go in the show notes, so... Um, hooked on a feeling before the Uga Chaka Uga Chakas were put in there. So anyway, my point being, he said, and this is just kind of how I feel about social media is he basically was saying, don't get on here and tell me about what needs to change, what needs to happen, unless you personally have either given of your time, your treasure, or your talent towards the cause that you are backing. Because simply putting a post on social media really doesn't mean squat if there isn't some sort of cost to you and uh, what you believe and what you support. And obviously he did that in 140. Or is that even hold true anymore, the 140 characters on Twitter? <laughs> they got rid of it. Um, but, but much but, more succinctly but, than I But did. I gave my thoughts and my prayers. That's, that's all I'm required to mm, do, right? Sending my love. Um, yeah. There was, after the shooting in the Orlando nightclub, a lot of, you know, politician stuff, oh, our thoughts and prayers with the family, and a lot of the, you know, response was, great, you've been giving us your thoughts and prayers, and this still hasn't stopped, so try a different tactic. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, dang, people, way to go get them. <laughs> like your thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Whatever. Why don't you make something happen? Because clearly your thoughts and prayers aren't getting it done. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, well, way to call them to the carpet. Kind of made me, you know, actually using social media to like do something. <laughs> That's quite nice. I mean, I'm, I'm all, you know, a fan of cat videos and, you know, people getting kicked in the, you know, Man parts, that's always funny, but the internet is much more, you know, can be much more powerful than, than just making me giggle. Although it is very good at that. Yes. All right, so let's move, if it's all right with you, to yes. this election mm -hmm. and this whole voting situation we have. It is, well, it's Donald versus Hillary versus the third party guy that I've never heard of. Mm -hmm. Gary... Johnson, I want to say. I yeah, don't, I don't quote even, me on that. I don't even have the slightest idea. Yeah. So good luck to him, I guess. Um. <laughs> I mean, he's on the presidential ballot, so 
there's only two other people in the country that I can think of that are on there. So, you know, bronze isn't bad. <laughs> I'd take a bronze medal. Um, especially when you're the complete underdog, you know? Yes. I would have to think so. It's like the the team that wins the play-in game to the NCAA tournament. It's like your prize is getting to the tournament and then getting demolished by a one seed. It's like Duke versus Northwestern Oklahoma Tech or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> your prize is just being there and getting to be on the floor with a team like Duke. Um, all right, so we are both Christians. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming we're both going to vote. I know I'm going to vote. I imagine you will as well. Yes. How do we navigate all of the BS that is going on with these two candidates? Because there's there's like a mountain for both of them. I think you find a single issue that is important to you, and you vote according to that. Why? (laughs) I hate you right now. (laughs) Do the exact opposite of what. Dave just said. Um, okay, so like two or three issues. You're lucky I like you. <laughs> um, I found some. I found a post on Facebook by a person that I have never met. So I'm not going to tell you where I found it or who they are because I don't know this person. But I'm going to use what they said as an example of something that I think is a large problem with how we approach voting. This person said that a vote for the third party is always a vote for the Democrats because the Republican Party supports, uh, is pro-choice, or so, no, oh boy, is pro-life, pro-marriage, and pro a third thing that I can't remember. I will always vote, and the, and the Democratic and the Democratic Party is not, I will always vote Republican regardless of who the candidate is. So in this instance, this person is placing their vote solely upon the party's stance on abortion, which, of all of the issues, abortion is an incredibly important one, right? The value of life. I, for one, am pro-life. I would never condemn a woman for making the choice because... That is potentially the hardest choice a person ever has to make. But as someone whose wife is uh, five months pregnant, if anyone approached my wife and was like, yeah, abortion's a great idea, I would probably punch their face in because that's my child. She has a brain. She has a heartbeat. Is she dependent upon my wife for sustenance right now? Absolutely. She's still alive, though. Babies are dependent upon us for sustenance and protection. They can't fend for themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't do anything. Just because she's inside the womb, in my opinion, doesn't make her any less alive. Um, if anything, she's safer in there than she is you know, <laughs> yeah. when, you know, she's a month old and we're both like, oh, I can't even see straight because I'm so tired, which I'm really not looking forward to that part. Um, but all that to say, placing your vote in any sort of election situation based on one of a myriad of issues to me seems incredibly foolish and incredibly short-sighted. I think it's great that this person feels strongly about abortion I think that's totally fine, and I encourage you to feel strongly. I feel strongly about a lot of stuff. That's why I have podcasts, because I have to get these opinions out, whether they're right or wrong. But choosing to vote, especially for president, based on one individual issue that, frankly, Donald Trump or Hillary personally may not necessarily agree with, but does so for nomination purposes... I think is very foolish. And I think that you are not allowing yourself to see things 
from a different perspective or to vote for the better candidate because you feel so strongly about one issue that you're willing to let that override every single thing, every, every other thing. Um, you know, Donald Trump wants to ban Muslims. He wants to build a wall between us and Mexico. He wants to do all of these things that are, as far as I can tell, anti-American. They are, they are exclusive in the fact that he wants to send people that don't look like him elsewhere. But because he's a Republican, this person will vote for him. Even though I'm pretty sure Donald Trump could probably give a rip about abortion. And I don't know that. I'm projecting that upon him. So maybe he feels very strongly about it. I just, I just, I don't think he cares about anybody but himself. So he has been. I think all over the board when it comes to abortion. And he's was, been all over the board in everything because well, he yeah. knows that he can be. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing the game incredibly well. He's getting to do what he wants to do, getting to say what he wants to say, and no one can do a thing about it. And here's what is sad to me: is the Republicans have had eight years to groom somebody, hmm. and what That's they got the is Donald Trump. Yeah, the best they had to offer: Chris Christie, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz. Anybody, they had eight years to groom somebody for the next election, and they blew it right. big time. Well, and that's, you know, I'll even go back to your abortion argument of Roe v. Wade being in existence for 43 years. And we've had, well, at least two Republican presidents in that time. We've had more than two. No, I know. I'm, I'm oh, being okay. a little bit facetious here (laughs) it's still there now i i grasp the concept of a supreme court justice being appointed uh during the time that a president is in office but even in that i i don't think we give the justices enough credit for you know whether they lean liberal or conservative of really looking at an issue and making a decision on that. And to be able to say that a Supreme court justice is going to decide one way or another is very difficult to do. Um, and so I, you know, I think Roe v. Wade could have been overturned a long time ago if that's what this was really all about. And it hasn't been. And so don't have the answer, don't have a suggestion for what is going to come next, but to make that a single vote issue or even one of 10 things that I hold is, is important. So don't, don't get me wrong. I am very much pro-life, but it, it hasn't been a factor in the 43 years since Roe v. Wade. It hasn't been overturned. So I think there's a lot more tangible things um, that are going to affect our lives when it comes to the presidency. And when it comes to things like abortion, that's where the church needs to step up. Uh, you, you don't like abortion? Become a foster care parent. Become a part of the system and adopt a kid that needs to be adopted. Do something about it. Give financially uh, to help foster You know, somebody that's taken the time to become a foster family or adopt a kid. If it is that important to you, then do something about it. I'm assuming that many of you have, but it just it's such an empty thing to say, I'm going to vote for this person because I'm pro-life and the Republican Party has traditionally taken a pro-life stance, especially with our current candidate related to the Republican Party. And if it is so important to you, there are very concrete, tangible things that you can do that will have an impact on abortion, single moms, unwanted pregnancies than who you vote for for president. And I guess that is ultimately the thing that this comes down to me is my faith will get played out in much more practical ways than just who I cast a vote for if an issue is really important to me. Yeah, and to be fair, we've been picking on Donald for a while. Hillary's not a shining example of a human being either. With her time as Secretary of State and all of the Benghazi stuff that happened and the email server and the and just 
she to me so like donald is the outlier he's just kind of this wacko that just says what he wants she's like the ultimate politician oh yeah very just good. both s- her and bill beautiful they know how to grease the right good. wheels at the right time and to get away with <laughs> anything they want essentially pretty much I mean, it's common knowledge that Bill was having sex with, <laughs> what's her face, Monica Lewinsky. He got impeached, whatever. He was still president for two terms. Like, <laughs> people look back like, oh, those were the good old days when we had Clinton in office. Mm, yeah. It's just like. Yeah, and that, that affair had happened during the government shutdown. Yeah, and it's, it's just, they are, they're like, they're like oil surrounded by water everything just slides right off of them and i don't i mean they're and so when you're presented with these two people that you're both kind of like just like oh that's those are our options how do we the option in my opinion is not to vote or not ho ho let me rephrase that not voting is not an option in my book that's what i meant to say not voting is we have i feel like we have to vote because by not voting you're essentially saying i don't care Mm -hmm. so if you don't vote and then complain i take issue with that like my grandpa for the longest time he moved here in the 50s from scotland he didn't become an american citizen gosh until i want to say like 2001 2002 and he used to you know in my mom's words piss and moan about political stuff and she'd always say then go become a citizen and vote stop mm-hmm. whining you live here you you can't not vote and then whine that you didn't get what you want because you didn't say what you wanted um so if we're approaching it from my stance which i realize a lot of people probably won't which is whatever if not voting is not an option then i'm stuck with Two things I don't like. Is there is there guidance from scripture in a situation like this? Or do we just say, screw it, eeny, meeny, miny, mo? Or is there something else? I, I, I'm genuinely asking. I'm not, I don't have a secret answer in my back pocket. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Hmm. I have lots of thoughts. Whether I can articulate my thoughts. That's a whole, a whole different uh, answer. Um, I think one of the things that it truly comes down to is uh, seeking God, prayer, scripture reading, asking him to speak to our hearts, to give us peace in what it is, uh, that we are supposed to do. Um, Because, yeah, I think as Christians, we very much should uh, participate in the political process that we have been blessed with in this country where our voice, our opinion matters. Uh, And so I think it's, it's not being a single issue issue voter and i think it's not even 10 things i think it's ultimately saying what is it that i believe uh what is it that i believe god represents and when it's all said and done which candidate closely represents uh what it is that demonstrates what it is that i believe is important and I know it for a lot of conservative Christians, it's not very popular, but the reality is, is Democrats do a better job of reaching out to the down, downtrodden, uh, doing things that help people get a start. Now, again, government is foul, is, is, fallible and really will never be the answer for a lot of these things. But I, and this is, I think it's funny how passionate people can get about Obamacare. 
Because the reality, when you think about it, the idea of providing health care for everybody. Why is that so absurd? I mean, why do people have such an issue with it? I'm not talking about the details of how it got implemented, all those kinds of things. I, I get there's there are problems with it, but there's problems with everything that a government does. We don't have any issue with public schools. You know, we don't have any issues with a lot of things being done by our government. But for some reason in this country, healthcare has become one of those taboos. But if you really, really, really think about it, it should be a no duh. Everybody deserves to have their medical care covered to where you don't go bankruptcy because you have a you end up having a major uh, medical issue. Um, and the idea of uh, well, I'll just put it this way: I have plenty of plenty of people in my life who need Obamacare. And have benefited from it. And it just seems silly to me that it becomes such a divisive issue and that the two sides can't get together to come up with an effective way that people who need health care can't get it. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's more difficult than. Just pick the one that you th- think sucks the least. I think the lesser of two evils. Yeah, the whole the lesser of two evils argument I think is way too simplified. Well, I agree. Uh, I think your point of of just really sitting down and now that the Democratic and Republican debates are over, which I never watch because all it is is just a giant peeing contest about. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like it's like a middle school student council vote. <laughs> I'm gonna put snacks in the hallways. Well, I'm gonna put snacks and pop machines in the hallways, and you don't even know how to spell pop machine. It's just, oh, it's they're the worst. I don't even know why they're televised because they accomplish <laughs> absolutely nothing other than to say this guy has zero personality and this guy's an absolute idiot. Um, now now that you get down to the actual primary debates of candidate versus candidate that's when you actually begin to learn now for this election i have zero hope that we're going to learn jack squat because they're just going to yell at each other but i'm still going to watch them sure but i just i if my if i was running against donald trump i would refuse to do debates because all he's going to do is yell and talk over you and never it's just it's not even I think the whole concept of debates is stupid. I think town hall meetings are way more effective in this situation because all the debates wind up being is just, again, middle school student council election Mm -hmm. meetings, and they're not helpful. No. Because no one wants to have a civil discussion in that situation. They want to make the other person look dumb. They want to ruffle the other person so they can't make their point. It's essentially doing your best to put them down to make yourself look better, which is about as middle school as it gets. <laughs> if you really think about it. Yes. Um, so anyways, uh, well, we're at about an hour. I know there's so much more that we didn't talk about. That's all right. It's all right. There's more podcasts in the future. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to call it there. If you dear listener have thoughts, opinions, essays that you want to, share with us um there are many ways that you can do that uh dave what might be some of those ways oh my god (laughs) she's gonna put me on the spot here aren't you yeah uh one of the ways that they can uh reach us is on twitter and that's at masterclass fm you can go to the show notes at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash oh that's outdated yeah, I need to change that. That's actually so it's 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 uh hold on, I'm gonna help you out here. <laughs> Super megacorp.net. Yes. Slash masterclass slash sixty-six. Um Cam can be reached at Cam Brennan on Twitter. I'm at ten eight HBO T E N number eight HBO. And they can email us too. Yes. 
And that's like hello at yep. Masterclass. No, or not, not Masterclass. Master I keep saying at supermegacorp.net. I'm used to the whole Masterclass. So hello yeah. at supermegacorp.net. Um, yeah. Please uh, let us know what you think. And um, we'll continue to dialogue about this over the next, what is it, four months? Yeah. And uh, by the time November rolls around, you'll know who to vote for. We promise you. No, just kidding. Wow. <laughs> no. I'm by teasing. By the time I'm November teasing. rolls around, I might know if I'm moving to Canada or not. Belize. That's where I want to live. Belize. Ooh, it's much well, warmer there than Canada. That's the whole point. I like the cold. You know oh, that, Dave. Oh, okay. I have not forgotten my northern roots. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week with another episode. Bye.